welcome to this next 15 minutes conversation. I'm really happy that you're all here watching and we have another very special guest with us today. So I'm gonna hand over to Michael to introduce himself and tell us a little bit about what he does. Michael, over to you. Hi, um, thanks for having me today, Denal. Um, my name is Michael Cheek. I'm a managing director at Accenture and I specialize in helping capital markets clients achieve their strategic and sometimes tactical business priorities, typically through business, people and technology change. Awesome, thank you. So the idea behind 15 minutes is just to have very short, concentrated conversations with interesting people like yourself to talk about equality and what's happening in the world right now. And just to give people tools and actions um, as to what they can do to, to make the world a better place. So my first question, just, just starting very broad, is what does equality mean to you? It's um, a good question. I think um, the thing for me is for equality, I think it's really about taking everyone's voice, action and opportunity on its own merit um, and applying that merit um, equally across those different dimensions. Great, thank you. And so just to, to go a little bit deeper, I mean, we've seen recently um, a very upsetting and saddening increase in, in hate crimes targeting the AAPI community. And I understand you've been doing a lot of work in that space and, and, and really raising awareness and, and encouraging uh, other people to, to take action. Can you talk a little bit about what you've been doing in that space? Um, another great question. I think it's very pertinent right now, given everything's going on. So I appreciate you raising the topic. Um, I would say that the journey of action is probably a little bit longer than just the recent trigger of events, which have been absolutely horrific and gut-wrenching to see. I'd say that the journey for me has been realizing, you know, part of the journey for me has been realizing that I have bias, that I grew up with some of those things and I'm now trying very hard as a person to relearn some of those things that, you know, I may have grown up with. Yeah. Um, and so it's certainly where I think things have started and, you know, have some deep reflections on some of those things that are happening. I've been fortunate enough to work for a firm whose ambition is, you know, to be the most inclusive, diverse and diverse company in the world. And we're accelerating culture and equality to ensure that all our people feel included uh, and that they belong. Um, and so therefore, you know, individuals and we as a firm can thrive. A specific inflection point for me was uh, the first one I would say that I can vividly remember was my first unconscious bias training at Accenture, mm -hmm. uh, which is a mandatory training for all employees. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, in that time we looked at some stats um, you know, on gender equality. And it was a good point in time for me to really start pause and think around whether, you know, the gender split at that time was right or wrong. And it, it opened up some great conversation. I, you know, I'm very grateful to work for a firm that is very clear on setting some very public objectives, objectives about workforce mm. and equality at 50% women and 50% men for those who do uh, identify uh, gender as binary um, you know, we employ more than 215,000 women globally. That represents 45% of our workforce. 
And, you know, we have a, a goal of having, we had a goal and we achieved it of having 25% of all managing directors, uh, uh, female managing directors in position um, by December of last year. And now we're striving towards making sure that that's 30% by 2025. So, I mean, other than that, I think, you know, um, our employee relationship groups have mobilized some great pillars of support for our community from bystander training with the likes of organizations like Hollaback, internal listening sessions, which have been, you know, sharing perspectives, not only um, as a really cathartic uh, process for many of our people, but it's been a massive educational curve for many, including myself. Yeah. Um, it's also been a great vehicle for those that want to be better allies and advocates and learn and hear from individuals' experiences. Our commitment to ascend pledge, uh, pledge against uh, Asian hate uh, in April 2020 was, um, as well as our fundraiser last year in conjunction with anti-Asian hate work last year, we donated to orgs that fed hospital workers from the APA-owned uh, restaurants and businesses, um, and this year to the AAJC. So, I mean, if I reflect a little bit on, you know, that learning experience uh, and the actions that we've taken, I've always had to adjust to my surroundings. Um, I've, you know, not really had time to absorb what makes me unique. And I think that a lot of these facilities, these listening sessions um, and support sessions in terms of understanding our cultures and why we act, we do the way that we do in Western cultures mm. um, has really been quite a, uh, a pivotal point for me to understand why I behave, why I behave. Um, you know, I've been the only Chinese kid at school growing up. I've been a, a gaijin in Tokyo. I've been a guaylo in Hong Kong and now an Asian in America. Mm. The last one's probably been, to be honest with you, the steepest learning curve about why I behave like I do. Wow. Um, you know, from simple things like, you know, being uncomfortable with um, how I felt when not being able to formally address an elder, when people react badly to, to me calling someone Mr. or Mrs. or, you know, think it's too formal. Yeah. Uh, to yeah. other things like having the tendency to self-advocate and, you know, just do as my seniors ask me to do. Yeah. Um, another thing we've been doing is we've been trying to reach across the broader community outside the workforce. Mm -hmm. um, I'm fortunate enough to connect with the guys at 88 Rising um, to hear some of the great work they've been doing um, in, you know, in the form of the recent uh, MC Jin and Wyclef Jean uh, track, Stop the Hatred. Um, I'd highly encourage folks to check it out if they haven't seen it. Awesome. Thank you so much. And, you know, what you've shared is, is probably uh, a lot of things that others can also identify with in their journey and, and have had similar uh, issues or feelings along the way. So I so really appreciate you opening up about that. Um, so one of the objectives of this session is to really provide, as I said, you know, tools and actions. So what do you think needs to change to achieve greater equality uh, in the workplace and in society? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I think education, I think grassroots education. And if I reflect on my own journey of the things that I've had to unlearn, um, I think it's similar to how I think about you know, in how important the introduction of financial literacy is at grassroots. Mm -hmm. I think learning the basics of debate, but also as part of that, the openness to listen and process other people's opinions and experiences are 
absolutely paramount to living in a more, more harmonious society. Yeah. Um, I think that's absolutely critical that people learn to do that. One thing I've seen certainly um, in, in the US is certainly a bifurcation to society, you know, sometimes just based on party lines. And it's been a massive inhibitor to, to progress and, and to yeah. be honest with you, productive dialogue. Yeah, it's great. Thank you. And um, so then what, going deeper into that a little bit more, what specific actions do you think uh, people listening today could, could take going forward? I, I would highly recommend if you're in a situation where you can create um, environments where people can come together, listen and discuss, like I mentioned earlier, those listening sessions have been a real big core to my education and my learning. And it's been the same for many other people. But, you know, that really points back at the education part. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing I've learned is, you know, something said by someone may not have the intent intent of hurt mm -hmm. but it really we what we need to be able to observe is the reactions and the, you know of the recipient and we can all learn from those exchanges I've you know grown up with you know various different terms that I didn't really think were microaggressions um, and you know as a as trying to be an advocate for our community uh, calling out to people that um, you know phrases like Chinese whispers can have, you know, ultimately damaging effects if we break it down. Um, you know, I think in the US, the, the kids call the game telephone, so they don't have that same perspective. But in the UK, it's it's called Chinese whispers. That's true. If you think about the idea of what that means, the game is ultimately um, thinking about how language um, is misconstrued over time. And to call that out in relation to a particular demographic Mm -hmm. you know is, is effectively the definition of a microaggression so educating people on our own learnings and and being you know bold and brave enough to speak up and and, and call those things out i think you'll find certainly in many organizations like ours people are receptive to that learning so mm -hmm. i think that that's critical to you know moving towards increased inequality is is education and advocation um we could all do with a reminder sometimes. I think someone in my team reminded me that, you know, female voices are often overlooked. Uh, and, you know, sometimes a male voice may say exactly the same thing and suddenly reach recognition from the audience. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. that that really reminded me to better self-advocate for female members in my team. Yeah. Um, I think Obama does it really well, you know, repeating what the, the female um, in the room has said, acknowledging, recognizing it, and making that a little bit more normal. Uh, but sometimes we need to elevate those voices a little bit more consciously. Um, so I think those are all things that we can do, be that on a gender dimension or uh, a demographic dimension. Brilliant, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I think your your point around education is, is, is so important. That's where it all starts. And even in my line of work, you know, we, we recognize that I think it's around age six or seven, for example, where a young girl decides that, you know, she doesn't want to play football or soccer anymore because that's what the boys do. And already you start to create these ideas of things that you should do and things that you shouldn't do because society tells you that way is how it is because of your gender. And I think the, the sooner we can break down those, those barriers and those stereotypes and 
uh, and operate from a place of greater empathy and understanding towards one another. I think that's you know the the key, and, and education is 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 the way to to do that really from a really young age. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. So we're coming towards the end. So I have a very last question, which is completely unrelated to, to what we've been talking about and mostly just for my personal satisfaction. But uh, I ask everybody that I speak to as part of these conversations about their productivity hacks. So um, if you could share maybe one or two productivity hacks uh, that you think uh, the audience would be, would be interested to know, that would be great. I'll give you two different ones. Um... One for me is as a consultant, I'm, I'm moving around a lot. I'm, I'm in, you know, our office and sometimes client offices, sometimes I'm working from home. And um, one thing that I've kind of uh, been quite obsessive about is, is packing lightly. I think that's many, the case of many consultants, mm -hmm. but um, I haven't wanted to compromise uh, my own health. And so having the right ergonomic setup at, in the office, wherever I am, is very important. So right now you can't see, but I'm on a laptop riser that compresses and contracts into, you know, something that's relatively small yeah. and I can just pop into my bag. Um, and the same thing for all my organization of all my cables and wires, everything is, I, you know, you get a charger with your laptop, but I've specifically had to buy certain things that will allow me to condense and compress what I carry around and I then carry quite a small backpack um, to have all of those things. But I'm um, also quite kind of eco-conscious too. So mm -hmm. I have, um, you know, collapsible coffee cups and um, water drinking vessels so that I can also compactly without, you know, having to carry the kitchen sink, carry some of those things around. So those are two of the things that I would consider, I guess, my hacks for, uh, productivity. And then in terms of the second one, um, I have found it very difficult to take copious amounts of notes, especially when you're trying to focus in a particular session. Yeah. Um, obviously, you need to disclose this, but um, the dictation function in, in many applications is actually very well underused and an ability to take notes in the meeting is much simpler if you get permission uh, to be able to record. It effectively dictates uh, what's being said in the meeting um, it very much then allows me to better condense yeah. um, the different things that um, that have been said in the meeting. Oh, that's a great one. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. That brings us to the end of the conversation and I appreciate your time. Thanks so much, Michael. Thanks, Al.